Hey everyone, this is episode 10 of Environmental Professionals. <clears throat> My name is John Lieber. You can reach me on Twitter, which is at jungle underscore capital, or on Instagram, which is at jungle underscore capital. This show evolved out of the Environmental Professionals Facebook group, so if you are an environmental professional, make sure to go over to the Facebook group and join the conversation there. If you're not an environmental professional, you can like my Facebook page, which is John Lieber Ecology Planning, and you can get the same uh, content there. Uh, so my guest today, I'd just like to welcome you, and if you could just introduce yourself, uh, say where you're from, and what your current occupation is. Yeah, hi, hi John, thank you for inviting me for the uh, program, and uh, my name is Hari Prasad, I am basically from India, and uh, I'm currently a PhD, a doctoral student at the Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay. So I'm working on environment, natural resource management, and uh, maybe specifically related to disaster management, because I've just started my PhD, it's in my, I'm in my first semester of my PhD, after working for uh, two and a half years. Excellent. That's a very gentle introduction. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, can you walk us through your academic journey a little bit? Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, I completed my bachelor's in electrical engineering. So after uh, working as a uh, engineer, substation uh, power operator for six months, have joined uh, environmental studies, sustainable, specifically looking at sustainable development. Uh, uh, environmental resource management subjects. It's called Terry University, the Energy Resource Institute University, so located in New Delhi. Can I stop you right there? Yeah. Um, what 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 was the what was the driver that pulled you towards the environmental engineering from just regular engineering at that time? Was it a like a government initiative or was this just a personal interest? No, uh, my bachelor's was in electrical and electronics engineering and then I shifted to environmental studies. It was the master's in science, MSc degree in environmental science. So I was I was thinking that I will suit better in the side of, uh, uh, rather than the technological side, I suit better on the human side or the scientific subject rather than being into core technology. Okay. So I chose to be in the, uh, like mostly dealing with uh, wildlife management, biodiversity, conservation political ecology, cultural ecology, GIS, remote sensing. So some of the subjects which I've uh, dealt in the master's studies were this, but uh, it was also, I was also not uh, much to scientific subject at the university because we had option to choose the elective. So I was interested in the social side, side of the science or social side of the environment, how people and the environment react, society, development and environment. And why, why were you, why do you think that was it your interest? Is it something that, uh, you know, that you've just always been inclined that way or why, why was it? Yeah, I was thinking that I was kind of a socializing person and also whenever I used to be uh, uh, very good, uh, good with society and uh, I'm always interested in working something related to society and environment. And also something which is on the humanity, humanities subject. I, w I wanted to study humanities and social science, but uh, then I joined engineering, then I shifted my interest slowly. And for the shift, I have chosen sustainability and climate change as my option for higher study. So in that, uh, uh, two of the university have applied and I have selected one of the university. So I pursued my MSc 
I see. Yeah, I feel I feel so blessed to work in this industry because I feel like anyone who is pursuing um, a career or uh, even just research interest in in the environmental industry, generally their intentions are are very pure and noble. So the people that we're working among in our industry are always uh, really good people, and and that's one of the main um, reasons that I love working in our industry so much is just because the people are so great you know no one is really out chasing the wrong things everyone is out trying to work together um for for solutions so i always really really like that okay so so you after after your master's when did you finish your master's and did you work for a for a while between your master's and then now entering your phd candidacy yeah actually uh, i completed my master's three years ago in 2017 so it was a two-year degree program, master's degree program from 2015 to 17. Then after my uh, master's, I've joined as a teaching fellow at one of the universities, private universities located in uh, Haryana, uh, in, near to New Delhi. So I was working as a teaching fellow for the undergraduate program in environmental studies. Uh, out of the four teaching fellows, I was one of the teaching fellow. And I worked for a one semester there. And I've shifted my effort uh, to research. So I have been a research fellow at for Urban Ecological Sustainability at the uh, Azim Prince University, which is located in another big city of India, which is Bangalore. So I've been there for one and a half year and uh, basically dealt with uh, how smart cities and the urban ecology uh, works. Actually, it's a, Smart City is a government program uh, launched by of India. So he was studying how the, the ecology, urban ecology was affected or considered in the smart city preparation or the smart city making. What is a smart city? That is the mm-hmm. study. So before we... And then... Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Yeah. So I'll just uh, complete. After that, uh, there was a, a severe flood, like uh, severe flood in my hometown, home state which is Kerala, uh, in 2018. So after that, I have shifted my into disaster management. I also worked for uh, around eight months in one of the district uh, for the post-disaster recovery. So that was my last job before I was joining for PhD at IIT Bombay. So this was my uh, travel to the work experience. Okay, and uh, so right now you're, you're kind of in the middle of your PhD candidacy. Uh, if when when will you be uh, completing the, your PhD uh, right now? Uh, actually, I'm in the first semester. That is in the first year of PhD. Uh, normally in uh, India, it takes four to five years, uh, minimum of four years and maximum of five five six yeah five years. So actually, I just started and finding out my which area to work on in the broader idea broader area of environment and science and technology studies related subject which definitely involves society and also uh, will be my research will be focusing on the social science research method and uh, yeah um so before before we get into your research uh interest because i'm really interested in kind of talking about the technical aspects of what you're what you're interested in and what you're doing um just as as kind of uh, looking back into the the path that you've taken, if there is someone who just finished their bachelor's degree, 
what advice would you give them for if they're thinking about should I enter just the work world or should I enter the academic stream? What is your uh, point of view on, on the different uh, pathways that people can take and why? So, bachelor who completed bachelor's in environmental studies or general? Yeah, yeah, in environmental studies. And they're just wondering, hmm, should I go for my master's and my PhD or should I just start working? What should I, you know, a lot of people at that stage are making that big decision on which pathway to take. And I'm just wondering how you feel about the pathway you took because you, you did an interesting um, pathway where you mixed uh, your academic career with working experience. Um, a lot of people just go purely academic they don't take those years off to work um some people just go go to the working world i'm just wondering what your your perspective is on on that and what advice you'd give someone yeah basically i suggest some somebody who completed a bachelor's in environmental studies to go for a master's but in the context of covid 19 i would suggest like if you can work or get a job at like for one year and then you choose a better institution and write the entrance exam there, qualify there. So because most of the people who take this area, environmental studies domain, are really passionate about research, going in the field and seeing the thing. So I think uh, for them it is better to have a master's and if possible working with a research organization or PhD. So mostly I don't see people who are interested in corporate working in corporate sector are interested to select uh, their bachelors as an environmental study subject even though there are uh, positions in corporate industry like in CSR mm-hmm. but I don't think I, I suggest them to go for a, like a research or to work in an NGO so there are actually so much of scope in governmental organization as well as in research which is also somewhat uh, similar uh, which is very interesting as well but I don't think that this COVID-19 has uh, even career counseling, career guidance. Uh, it's very difficult because we can't say because some of the other aspect of somebody who's giving advice is really, really matters at this point of time. Because uh, always some 10% or 20% of whoever is guiding the, uh, guiding the person will ultimately make his decision. So I think at the COVID-19, whatever comes first, even if it is a research job, if it is a master, if it is a job, normal job, he should take it forward. And uh, when this thing's economic crisis comes down, we should uh, pursue our interests more. So then you will understand whether you are actually interested in that subject because you started working somewhere else and you understand that uh, you're not fit for this, but you are interested in the research or field stuff related to environment and climate change, etc. Sure, that that's really really great advice, um, especially within the fr- the context of of our current situation of COVID nineteen, and I one hundred percent agree with you that if you have any sort of uh, stability to hang on to hang on to it, because you're right now it, it is a very unsure and difficult time, <clears throat> and we're we're all trying to manage it, um, and I've debating I've been debating in my head about how the economic, uh, you know, downfall or disruption is going to impact our industry. Do you think, uh, because in many aspects, we, we are, uh, an essential service, uh, in some aspects, what, like through the planning process, um, 
but I'm wondering if uh, researchers. I'm wondering how do you how do you think that uh, that we're that our industry will be impacted by the the economics that is going to result from all this. Uh, I really think that the not the industry but the environment as a, as a whole will be affected because of this economic crisis. Because when we start reviving the economy, we won't think about environmental impact assessment or public hearing mm-hmm. or anything about environment. Because we just need to feed the poor or feed the people. Mm-hmm. We just need jobs. We just need to expand uh, rapidly. And even sometimes research may go in vain because you just what you need is products, products, products. So that will, I fear that would happen. And uh, in India or in developing countries, it's much more difficult because some of the other changes in environmental impact assessment have been already happening in developing countries like in India. So I, I fear this corona has been actually, we know that there are many connections which we are seeing because of deforestation, the zoonotic disease and connection with environment as well as the pandemic. At the same time, when the pandemic subsides, I think that uh, uh, the, the problem will be more more intense because of the economic crisis, the congestion, the people, the people's job, their livelihood. It's, it's, it's very difficult. It's complicated. Yeah. In the last hundred years, yeah. So I think it's you're 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 right. I think that our everyone in our industry needs to be prepared for a major shift in tone. And uh, the other thing that is really concerning on top of it because we've gone through economic uh, crisis before, so we know, we kind of know what's coming. But another layer on top of this is that there's been a false narrative that, uh, because I, I think, you know, there's been like one, I think I was reading that one third of the world was under stay at home orders. And even within those stay at home order orders, you know, uh, a lot of people are still essential services. So they're they're going out still. But there's been a false narrative that because a very small percentage, usually uh, like more wealthy people have been able to stay inside, that that all of a sudden the environment has been recovered because it's been two months of some people staying inside. Like, oh, the tigers are back in India on the streets and the dolphins are in Greece and everything is good now. So so when the economy comes back, we can we don't need to think about the environment anymore. So I think when you pair the crisis of uh, trying to have economic recovery with the psyche of people's mindset, um, thinking that there's been a recovery, that it, it could be a potentially dangerous situation for, for the environment when in reality, things are only intensifying. Yeah, yeah, very much true. So I think the problem, like the fake messages or the things which we are forwarding every day in WhatsApp or Facebook, the things that actually people are not understanding what exactly is going to happen. Just by saying that the sky is more clear, that is true. But things will be normal normal like before. And it will be like, it's just three or four months which we are seeing that uh, tigers are on the street or that that you can have that that can happen anytime when when they are looking there is some change around them that means there is no humans coming in to see them or, yes. or it, it can be anything we, we actually don't know behavioral studies i think the, the wildlife behavior studies people can do much more i think some of them are already in the field and they may be really, really interested and in maybe studying these changes in the wildlife and the changes in environment, air pollution. For India, it is air pollution has drastically it has shown result, but we can't do anything because it is country like India can't do much because that is all 
happening in the climate related, uh, climate justice related mm-hmm. points and that summit, that countries which are already developed should be considering more to reduce the emission because countries like India need rapid uh, industrialization on the water. That, that is the whole idea which normally is talked about. But uh, every, every country can uh, develop and contribute. This is actually a pressure industrial development versus environment and nature. Uh, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with you, definitely. Um, so what, what have your interests, your research interests been? Um, you mentioned that uh, urban ecology has, you've done some work in urban ecology. What, what else have you specifically been researching and would like to research more? Okay, actually I haven't chosen a single research uh, area immediately after my master's because I came from a different background. So some of my friends say I want to work on uh, botany or I want to, I mean something related to plants, some, somebody want to work on uh, tigers, somebody work on elephants, somebody want to work in corporate, but I had an open-minded thing because I'm new to this field. I'm ready to explore because I have already taken a chance by shifting from an engineering field to uh, another thing and I'm actually interested and passionate about it and my whole idea was in the social sciences and research-oriented subjects. After I took my uh, work as a teaching fellow, I understood that I have a lot more to learn and uh, we can't uh, we can't just restrict to one field because wherever you go, uh, it, in PhD you may be studying a specific subject, but you need a holistic approach or a holistic idea about everything in the field. So then I joined Urban Ecological Center, I came to know more about ecosystem services, how are smart cities, how ecology in urban areas work, and what is the urban pressure which we are going to see. 60% of the world population will be in uh, urban areas by 2050 and 2060. That's a huge thing. Most of the cities which I was studying are not getting water, are not getting good air. So one of, one of the uh, one of the uh, point which mentioned by one of the resident in uh, city was that I don't want uh, environmental uh, application checking the air pollution. I just want good air. Mm-hmm. So the point is that the technological advancement which we see in smart cities or the cities is just uh, uh, information, communication technology changes, surveillance. So there is much, much more to this. People are very much having uh, asthma, air pollution related, uh, chronic diseases, illness, more than a cigarette smoker. Because the, the cities are actually choking. Three or four cities in India are seriously choking. Uh, it, it's maybe much more than that. So my interest then from urban ecology, I, I, I already told, I kept it open. So when a flood happened, a major flood happened, which actually uh, killed 400 people in home state. So I actually thought I would to a subject which is related to climate change and extreme climate events. Because Kerala has never seen in the last 100 years, like uh, when 1924 the last flood happened and then it happened in 2018 in my home state. Like pandemic happened, to the, uh, it happened in 1920s and it is happening in 2020 now. So I shifted uh, after one year or almost eight to ten months I joined uh, another NGO which is based in New Delhi but it is working in my home state to give a post-disaster relief. So one component which I was also interested in was nature-based solution. Like in the areas where there are heavily 
lights happen have environmental things i mean nature based solution to plant some specific trees which has root deep in the soil so there are many different methods we can have slow really we can have different civil engineering techniques so things are there but we are never trying to mitigate things once the disaster is over we are forgetting and i could understand there are drastic agricultural pattern change which led to the uh, flood in one of the area because they have changed the uh, pattern of the agriculture so that the water logging has stopped because in the paddy fields we have lots of water stored but when you change the paddy into some other crop that 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 water will go to the roads mm-hmm. and it will flood the area so these kinds of things where uh, I, i i could see it in the field and then we again understand that we have many very very less thing to do in environmental field sometimes because we are sometimes helpless because people's uh, economy economical importance is more anywhere anywhere i, I think uh, very less places environmentally responsible society is coming up and we actually need to work on environmental education climate change education so ultimately i come up with that uh, for my phd research i have actually looked at uh, how disaster and communities how the knowledge in the communities about the climate change about the weather change which they envisage or which they try to find out earlier has changed in the climate change era so earlier people used to predict what is going to happen in the climate next month or next week but it has completely changed it's unpredictable now so all these changes are very difficult to understand and uh, the government system prediction system should be very much intact so we have technological handicapness anywhere pretty few countries have developed that so for a developing country like india it's also difficult to come up with such technologies and make it very much applicable on the ground which, because it's a very populated area Mm-hmm. but still many of the states are doing very really well state of kerala and state of odisha some are doing very well because they face uh, some of the other problems yeah <clears throat> this seems to be some of the most important work uh anywhere uh as far as uh improving improving the urban environment but specifically india uh seems to be a little bit behind and it also is really it's 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 urgent from my understanding because you have such high dense populations but uh i've just from talking from colleagues i ha- i don't have a lot of experience in india but it seems like there's they're behind on urban forestry initiatives and really pushing forward um livability initiatives and some of the when you look at the um the air pollution uh like the 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 extreme like how bad it really is especially in places like delhi it's uh there's some real tragedies happening so i can see how how urgent your work must feel to uh to be putting to be contributing to it and um my two questions for you on that is why do you think um india has been is so behind uh as far as cre- um as far as prioritizing those kind of initiatives and secondly uh, if you can talk about climate justice a little bit as well too yeah i 
I didn't mean that India is too behind uh, something like that because it's actually coming up in the world as something which we need to address. I don't think in many places uh, we have accommodated the community's perception on what should be done on a climate change issue or the disasters. There should be a platform where the traditional knowledge it's actually a conflict between modern science as well as the traditional knowledge mm-hmm. science. Mm-hmm. So actually modern science will not accommodate some of the things because it's not rational sometimes. Mm-hmm. The modern science. What is science? It should be redefined at times. So there are many things in, in, in that line. So your second question was uh, on the yeah, yeah. So I was saying climate justice because uh, climate justice is important because we are in the environment. We are all doing things, we are all building homes, we are all doing infrastructure expansion. But the vulnerable population or the people who has resilience to combat, resilience can be economically or their uh, uh, personal or the immigration status, caste, sex, anything. Because in tsunami we could come, come across in the tsunami in 2004. Uh, we could come across many instances that women were mostly affected because of many issues, because the announcement has not heard who are working inside the home. So there are different uh, aspects which people are vulnerable, but in climate justice, which we say normally, is actually like uh, all of the people who actually may not have done the problems are suffering. For example, I should say somebody living on the town street will be first affected by the flood, but who is making the decision, the power access will be on the, somebody who is living on the middle or the upper streams or who has built a house by destroying the upstream, downstream motion of the, the landscape. So climate justice itself is a new idea coming up, coming under environmental justice. We used to say earlier, and environmental education was there, and now climate justice or climate change education is there. So yeah, it's, it's a very interesting idea, but it's actually a sad and uh, very disappointing study. I mean, in the sense that people who are studying that that will get disappointed with uh, how the world is going. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, but it's also probably liber, liberating. I think you could, I think you could apply that concept to any environmental um, endeavor. Is that it often does expose you to a lot of the tragedies that are happening, even if it's not related to people. But you know, you look at species that are on their way to extinction or whatever. It's often very hard to look at the reality of situations, but. I think if you have the right perspective that you can contribute um, to to um, to a solution, it's also uh, empowering and, and humbling as well to to have this um, sort of line of career. But I do think that our industry needs uh, to reflect more on uh, the justice aspect, and I've really been going through an evolution personally, uh, especially like in the last week with all this stuff happening in in America uh that the environmental industry it's so easy to to the way that I explained it is that I've been married to environmentalism but only dating environmental justice meaning it's all it's kind of been a thing that I've been interested in but it hasn't been pushed to the forefront and I think that 
um, as our industry becomes more and more uh, well-recognized and well-funded, because um, as cities grow, as the livability and environmental movement grow, it's going to become more mainstream. I think that it's on us to put climate and environmental justice to the forefront. Um, it can't just be about um, the Grand Canyon and about um, all these like wonderful natural um, places, the mountains, and that we need to also try to move the conversation towards uh, to, towards justice. And that's not easy. And I think our industry has moved away and shied away a little bit about the about the justice aspect. So that's something that I've trying to been pushing myself, try to push it to the forefront of all the conversations again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Also, I was I was remembering one of some of your questions to the other girls that uh, was it actually optimistic or pessimistic? So I was uh, I I was thinking when I was seeing that that I'm actually not really optimistic completely, but not pessimistic as well. But it's a mixed feeling in between both of this that optimism actually it's two way to have an optimism because everybody knows what is happening. And everybody, unlike earlier or 10 years before, people are understanding the catastrophe or the disasters or whatever name we call crisis or the climate change. But people are unable to act, which actually because uh, it is distracting or topping some of their economic or daily routine activities. Mm -hmm. So these people are coming up. So it's actually, yeah, yeah, well, a mix of yeah, I would describe it, I guess, more as real realism rather than optimism necessarily, <clears throat> because uh, if if you're if you have to recognize the reality of the situations, you can't be delusional. But but if you aren't uh, looking through the lens of here's the situation, and I'm optimistic that we can tr we, that it's worth trying to solve to solve the solution. It's the only way anything's ever going to be done and that's why I get so happy when people say that they have optimism because it's the only way we're ever going to solve any of these solutions when you speak to people who say look at all the problems and there's no way we're ever going to solve them they they're giving up um on even trying and and having that that perspective it's just heavy baggage that doesn't contribute to anything good so that's why I think a lot of us people, uh, a lot of us in our industry, we're not happy about the current situation, but our optimism is dry, uh, the driver for um, for our hard work and our and our contributions to trying to create solutions. So I think it's the framework we need. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, when you uh, when you finish your PhD, uh, what's next for you? What are you thinking about? Uh, doing after that? Like you know, finishing PhD actually it will take a toll on you mostly because it's actually uh, time consuming, it's an intensive process, it takes uh, four or five years of your life and we actually don't know, I would like to stay in the teaching or research field and uh, I'm not clear about what I should do after PhD but work on something related to environment development and society. That That's that's a bit clear and uh, the climate change in the present scenario but actually uh, I would like to uh, basically work 
on this subject not just because in the research field but something transdisciplinary which is actually helping the people out in the field also like uh, i don't get any examples now but like which i mentioned the platform for making a disaster resilient or this uh, center or something which have knowledge about climate change or disaster or the environmental knowledge which we can have all together maybe i, I was also thinking your platform has been a very good opportunity for people especially young young environmentalists across the world to join unite and share their knowledge it, I, i was actually happy to see you Yeah. yeah, because uh, one of my philosophies has been uh, it's it's very easy to go and plant trees yourself your whole life and you plant your tree, plant your tree, or you can invest in other people, invest in the people that are the young people in our industry or everyday people. And by doing that, you can have real exponential impact. So uh, I think it's really important that all of us we don't get too caught up in what we our research and uh the animals and the plants which we love so much and recognize that it's the people that we work among that are making the real that are doing the uh, driving some of the real change and uh on that note uh i just wanted to ask you if there was a an indian listening that wasn't in the environmental industry how do you think uh like a everyday citizen could con- contribute to uh to urban ecology Uh, uh, once again, I, I didn't get your question. Uh, so if they're a non, they're not working in the environmental industry, they're just an everyday citizen, what what are some things you think they can do to contribute towards uh, urban ecology in the environmental industry? Yeah, actually, uh, I think the increased constraints of increased understanding in urban areas in India are, are really amazing because I understand many people are very much keen on understanding segregating and disposing the waste waste management and uh, like sewage treatment all, all these waste waste uh, matters are very much problematic for uh, for all the cities in india and uh, i think uh, people are really taking actions and they are forming committees and they are forming a group of resident association and they are doing it in their resident uh, for example uh, place where 100 communities families living in a apartment they make a community and they find their own area to dispose the waste segregate it or to give to the municipality or municipal corporation so people everyday citizen are doing their part either their uh, family members or they are doing and uh, except that urban ecology to develop urban ecology using public transport as we all know we suggest in normal things and also i think many of the cities are having problems with the uh, space the roads this we have roads we don't have pedestrian or cycle paths if you start actually the cycle path you can see an amazing things but the problem is that constraining with the space the resources are infinite resources in the hands of the government at times and if government has things the inability or the political dilemma inside the government is making problem or they're not just taking seriously not i'm saying not any specific government but many government inside or outside india that that's we just take some of the example of uh, some big city in any of the country and this we we all speak about it every year but 
nothing happens in the field because the political will and the political head, I mean the political group who is ruling, rulers should be understanding mm-hmm. uh, environmental impact. So I have seen yeah. many uh, uh, many important people who, who took the ministry, ministerial role as the environmental minister or something. Uh, they, they actually did it very well. So who has some idea about environment, how to save it, are actually doing it very well. For citing one example, India's uh, former Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, when she was the Prime Minister, has made different laws, like uh, wildlife and related laws, and uh, uh, that has actually uh, helped in the course of time. And today, it's still those laws, uh, those uh, projects, Project Tiger and related uh, thing, are actually making sense in the field. So we need a visionary who is at least a percent or a 10, 20, 30 percent of their investment or that their uh, ruling decision should be based on the environment by understanding nature-human relationship. Yeah, there's uh well local local change is definitely what we need the most because it has the most direct impact. But um there's been some really heartening um community led initiatives that have come out of India that have made international headlines too. Uh, uh do you remember about the largest beach cleanup by that uh that one I forget his name. Um but that was really amazing to see the before pictures and he just started cleaning up the garbage um and just extraordinary images of it of 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 it after and then uh there was another um story that came out about he's an older um fella now but he would he had his normal job in the city but every day he would go and plant uh a couple seeds like in a, an abandoned field and then there was a massive forest i guess after um, yeah. Yeah. So it just shows you how, um, you know, those little contributions can really add up and also inspire, inspire other people too. Exactly. Uh, one of my last questions for you is I just was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, uh, so are you in the city, is Kochi your city right now? You're, so you're, you're in the... No, I'm in Northern Kerala. It's, it's around 10 hours, 7 hours from Kochi. Okay, so you're you're in the southwest area of India, right? South, 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 south. Okay, okay. So, can you just talk about what the natural environment is like in that area? I think with uh, a lot of people think of uh, some of the the natural environment of India just being dense forests, uh, mountains, and then obviously the the famous tiger. But what what are some characteristics of the natural environment around your area? Uh, so my district, which is having all the three areas, which is one one side of the district is hilly area, which that hill is actually a uh, a portion of Western Ghats, and then the middle area, which where people mostly reside, but people are equally almost equally distributed, but more population in the middle area, and next it is the Arabian Sea. So three layers of I'm specifically speaking about the Kerala, the state. So there are three layers kind of thing where there is a hilly area as well as a middle area as well as the beach area. Mm-hmm. So all these areas together and it, uh, it is the one of the first place where the monsoon reaches on the first uh, week of June. So this is a monsoon time. A few minutes ago we had rain here. We are expecting a heavy rainfall in the coming few days. So it's, it's no 
mostly uh, there is no winter here most of the time uh, we don't have winter because it is a uh, uh, mostly it is sunny or rainy so 3 to 4 months it's raining uh, heavily or not and thunderstorm lightning everything is there and uh, it, it it may be for few days in that four months but uh, it's told that around 3 to 4 months starting from june is a rainy season and then it is uh, normal it it it, it start uh, sunny uh, very hot from march april may three months maybe the other times are little bit okay to stay in the state yeah nice well it sounds so sounds worth fighting for and uh, worth protecting so um is there is there any uh type of environmental professionals that you're looking to connect with other researchers or or anyone that might be listening that you'd like to have connect with you uh in the sense connecting with my friends about uh, the program or uh, well just to just to have them as a contact is there anyone you're looking to to um to de- develop a relationship with maybe other phd candidates uh doing your type of research or or anything like that yeah 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 those are phd students or researchers who can speak about something related to the disaster related or pandemic related subject with the history and the social social side of those things how people respond how people understand it so all these things whoever has the research idea some idea in the field of science technology and society studies i would be very interested to join with if you can think about somebody who in your knowledge can keep us in touch we can actually start a platform right now on that fantastic and uh, how can people reach you uh, i have instagram facebook and uh, whatsapp uh, all the uh, linkedin as well so i'll share the Uh, the links of the the thing with you is it fine yeah that's good i'll put that all in the show notes for people who are looking to uh to reach you so uh, yeah. is there anything can i give you some the thing right now sure yeah yeah my email id is hari prasad h a r i p r a s a d dot v m 2 at gmail dot Perfect. Hariprasad.vm2@gmail.com. Perfect. Uh, is there anything else you yeah. wanted to uh, talk about before we wrap up here? No, I, I just want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I'm speaking actually uh, brainstorming session kind of. Actually, it was also also helped me more maybe, and uh, I, I'm really happy to be a guest with you. Thank you so much. It was a real honor. and i hope we can uh, connect in the near future so say stay safe yeah yeah thank you okay thank, th- you. thank you so much